Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, beautiful weather out there today again. Uh, we're uh, going to start a new series this morning. Last week we wrapped up the series uh, on wholehearted pursuit of God. And today I'm going to spend some time uh, laying the foundation for the next series. But I have a quick exercise that I'm going to ask you to participate in this morning uh, before we get started. Uh, so what I want you to do is, is pull out a phone or a notepad or something you can make a note on. And I want you to think of uh, the person, whether it's a spouse or, or a best friend, just the person that you know better than anyone. And I want you to just think of one or two words uh, to describe that person. If you can do it in one word, do it in one word. If you had a fight with your spouse this morning, don't use your spouse <laughs> in the example. You, use someone else. Maybe something that others who are not as close to them don't know about them. I was thinking about Emily this week. Uh, what you may not know about Emily is she's one of the most selfless people that I know uh, and that it kind of makes me mad because she makes it look so easy um, because uh, she, she just puts everyone else first. I was thinking about the boys. You can kind of loop the boys into one right now. In this season, uh, the, the best word for them is they're just loud. <laughs> they are, are so loud. Uh, and then I was thinking about Haley. Uh, Haley is the easiest one uh, because the, the one word is just perfect. Uh, uh, she's never going to do anything wrong. Um, and don't correct me on that. Uh, I did want to let you know I did have to crop this picture to make it fit. Uh, the original picture does have her halo uh, above that. So, But if you wrote down a good word about your spouse, you can show it to them. If, you, if it's not a good word, destroy it forever. Um, but we're going to come back to that uh, in a little bit. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I, I never fully understood why there were four Gospels that told a lot of the same stories. Uh, I never understood why there was so much repetition in the Bible, in the Gospel stories. Uh, but as I've uh, come to study more and, and come to, to um, uh, just be in the Word of God more, I've actually come to appreciate that that aspect of scripture that what we actually have in the four gospels is we have the story of Jesus Christ, the teaching of Jesus Christ coming from four different perspectives. So when you're reading the book of Matthew, you're coming from the perspective of a, a, uh, someone who had been a tax collector his entire adult life. Uh, he was scorned by all of his uh, companions, all of his contemporaries because he was a tax collector, yet Jesus chose him. Uh, when you're reading the book of Luke, it's coming from a historian. It's coming from somebody who was concerned with making sure he has every fact, every detail in the Word of God. And when we're looking at the book of John, I so love the book of John because it's coming from the perspective of uh, who we would probably call the best friend, the person who was just always there when Jesus was there. He was there in every situation. So John, uh, John had these insights into Jesus Christ uh, into who he was. And I was thinking about that this week because John, when he wrote the Gospel of John, it was about 60 years or so, 65 years uh, after Jesus' ministry. So John is sitting down to write this Gospel out, and he's looking back about 60 years ago, 
And John's one of the only Gospels that doesn't just go straight into the details and facts, but he actually offers up his own opinion of who Jesus was, of, of, of kind of describing him the way that we just did. He does this in John chapter 1, verse 14. So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen him. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And then he says this, the description that he gave of this person that he's thinking about 60 years prior. He says that Jesus, that man was full of grace and full of truth, full of grace and full of truth. Now, uh, uh, John said when he looked back, Jesus was full of grace. Uh, we see this so clearly when we looked at, uh, look at Jesus' interactions with people in Scripture. You can look at the woman caught in adultery where the law said to stone her and the religious leaders said to stone her and the Pharisees said stone her and Jesus chose grace. He chose forgiveness and restoration and he chose healing for her. Uh, we look with this, at this with the many people who had uh, leprosy that came to Jesus for healing uh, because the law said... Uh, stay away from everyone. The law said, if you have leprosy, you have to stay in isolation. But Jesus said, come to me and find healing. He, he chose grace. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood, the law said specifically that you have to stay away from the temple, stay away from all that is holy, you're defiled as long as there's, there's bleeding. Uh, uh, and she had had an issue of blood for years. The Bible says that Jesus chose grace. You can look at the scripture. Uh, John said that the law came through Moses, but grace came through Jesus Christ. If you look at the Bible, uh, I cannot find a single encounter where someone came to Jesus in faith and he chose the law over grace, where he, he rejected the person who came to him in faith and opted to side on the law instead. Understand something, church? Uh, Jesus still chooses grace. That means he chooses grace for you. It doesn't mean to continue in sin, but what it means is uh, there is this belief in the law that if you were defiled, if you were unclean, if you touched someone who was holy, they didn't make you clean. You made them unclean. That's why you had to stay away. But the message of grace is that when someone who is defiled touches Jesus Christ, you don't defile him. He cleanses you. That's the message of grace. And if you can imagine John sitting down 60 years after Jesus' ministry, and he's saying, how do I describe this man? Uh, I'll give him two descriptions. One is this man was so full of grace. In every way, full of grace. But then there's that other description that he gave. And it's a little more overlooked. Where John said, not only do I remember this man as being so full of grace, but he was so full of the truth. He was so full of truth. He even says that again, the law came through Moses, but truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, if this is one of two attributes that John pointed to right away when he's thinking of Jesus, grace and truth, then I want to know why and I want to know what he meant when he said he was full of truth. And if you laid out uh, every teaching in the Bible or every teaching of Jesus Christ, there's actually hundreds of different teachings, uh, uh, more than 50 different topics. He talked about everything uh, from the way that you should respond when people treat you unfairly to the way that God responds when a sinner repents. He talks from money to forgiveness to righteousness, from hell to the kingdom of God. And if you take all of these teachings of Jesus Christ, 
and you tied them all together, you could sum them up with a five-letter word, truth. Truth. And what uh, Jesus said something about his own teachings and about this truth. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. When he says there actually, when you, if you hold to my teaching, it's the same word we've talked about to abide. He's saying if you abide in my teachings, if you remain present with my teachings, you are really my disciples. Verse 32, he says, then, when is then? It's when you hold to my teachings. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus was bringing truth into every situation of life. He was revealing truths about uh, how we should understand things, how should we should respond to things and go about things. But this is important, church. Jesus was not revealing truth just so that we would know it for the sake of knowing it. Jesus believed that if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. So if we know the truth and we, we grasp the, tru the truth and we walk in the truth of how God feels about us, if we know that God loves us, I mean, if we really know that God loves us and we're a child of God, that frees us from depression, from self-deprecation. Uh, it frees us from, from uh, uh, just negative thoughts about ourselves. If we know the truth about grace and forgiveness, it frees us from shame and condemnation. If we know the truth about God's sovereignty, his good plans for you, it frees us from anxiety and worry. And the Bible says, John said, Jesus came and he brought with him this truth, setting the record straight in all these area, areas, and Jesus believed something. If we can grasp the truths that he lays out in scripture, it would bring freedom, freedom to our lives. Now, uh, 80 times in Scripture, so remember I said there's a few numbers today. Uh, there are hundreds of teachings of Christ throughout the Bible, but there are 80, about 80 times where Jesus would preface his teaching by drawing attention to something. About 80 times he would begin his teaching by saying, truly, I tell you. Uh, now, when Jesus did this, uh, what he was saying was, uh, I am about to reveal a truth to you. It's almost like a, a wait for it. It's coming, a wait for it moment, right? He, he says, truly I tell to you, and then he lays out a new revelation, a new truth before them. Uh, so like Matthew chapter 6, uh, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Uh, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Then he says, truly I tell you. It's kind of a wait for it. Here comes the truth. They have received their reward in full. There's another one in John 16, 7 that uh, I imagine they really struggled uh, to comprehend in the moment. We still struggle with it if we're honest, where Jesus says to them, very truly, I say to you, wait for it. It's good for you that I go away. Very truly, I'm revealing a truth to you in this moment. He says, it is good for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. But because I go away, I will send him to you. Now, when Jesus began this way, uh, when he began something by saying, truly I say to you, it's almost like he was saying, listen closely to what I'm about to tell you, because it's a revelation of truth. And he does this about 80 times. Now, here's another number for you. About 25 times, he does something different. 
uh, about 25 times, in fact, he does something that doesn't appear different on paper. And in fact, in your Bible, depending on your translation, it might not even show up. About 20, uh, 25 times, Jesus doesn't just say, truly, I say to you, but he repeats himself. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, when this happens, whenever there is any repetition in Scripture, it's rare, and you should know it is not a misprint, it's not a typo, and most of all, it is not insignificant, and it's not irrelevant. Uh, if you were to study the, the Hebrew and the Aramaic languages, what you'll find is when there's repetition, it's kind of like speaking in all caps and italicized and bold and underlined. It's a rare occasion, and when it happens, when there is repetition, it is meant to draw your attention to exactly what they're saying. Uh, a couple days ago, uh, I did something that I didn't tell Emily about yet, so she's going to find out with you. Uh, I stopped at an ATM to withdraw a little money. I, I had to withdraw $70. Uh, but what happened was I hit the zero button too many times. Uh, <laughs> And instead, I asked for $7,000. Um, now, I don't know if you know about this, but when you ask an ATM for $7,000, it actually laughs at you. <laughs> it's really cool. But if I would have come home and I would have said, Emily, um, I don't know what the big deal is here. Uh, I just repeated the zero like two times. That can't be significant. She would say, no, that is very significant. When you repeat zero too many times, that is a huge deal. And on, on paper, it may not look like it's a big deal. It may look like maybe it's a, just a typo. But in reality, what Jesus was telling the disciples was lean in and listen up. When Jesus prefaced a teaching by saying once uh, to, that it was the truth, he was preparing them for a revelation of truth. But when Jesus repeated himself, when he said it twice, he was basically saying, what I'm about to reveal to you is going to be really hard to believe. But when you know these truths and you grasp them and you walk in them, they will bring freedom to your life. Now, what I've been doing this morning is just trying to lay a foundation for this series. Because in this series, I want to go through some of those 25 instances in Scripture where Jesus begins a teaching by saying, truly, Truly, where he begins a teaching by saying, this is going to sound unbelievable to you, but listen up because it will bring freedom to you. Uh, today, I want to begin with a passage that I actually mentioned briefly last week. It's in John chapter 14, uh, verse 12. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I tell you. In other words, he's saying, lean in. Listen up, what I'm about to say will sound unbelievable to you, but I promise you it is true. He says, truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things because I am going to the Father. Church, that sounds unbelievable, and that is why Jesus starts it out by saying, this is true, oh yes, this is true. Because I go to the Father, you'll do greater works. And then he says in verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name. This should sound a little unbelievable to you, church. I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, church, if you are here this morning and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I have just read a verse of the Bible about you. A verse of, of the scripture where Jesus spoke about all who would ever believe. And he said, this morning in Cranberry Community Church, this might sound unbelievable, but because I go to the Father and I send you the Holy Spirit, I am, I am placing this power within you to do works even greater than what I did. If you remember in John 16, 7, I, I, I referenced it where Jesus said, uh, it's for your, your good that I go away. Because all the works that he's been doing, now he's placing that spirit inside of you. I want to say for just a moment that when Jesus says that the works he has done, you're going to do, uh, I believe that that, that are, is power and miracles and signs and wonders, but I don't think it's limited to that. Uh, because one of the things that Jesus had this knack for was loving the unlovable uh, and, and reaching out to those who no one else would reach out to. And what he has done is he has placed that spirit, that spirit of comfort, and, and actually he calls him the spirit of truth. He's placed that in you so that you have this ability to, to love with agape love of God. Uh, I want to go back to something Jesus said here. He said, uh, I will do whatever you ask in my name. And then he actually repeats that and say, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. A few things I want to point out to you here. Uh, when he says to ask for anything, it's not a one-time thing. It's actually uh, talking about continually asking and seeking and knocking him. Uh, knocking him. Knocking at the door for him. <laughs> well, the second, and this is vital, uh, because when Jesus says to ask for something in my name, uh, we, we've almost gotten to this point in society where that means to tack Jesus' name onto the end of any prayer, and it's like, abracadabra, it's going to happen. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. Actually, when Jesus says, when you ask for anything in my name, he uses a word there, it's, it's onoma is the name, but what it means is name, authority, and character. So what Jesus is actually saying here is if you continually ask for anything if it's in my character and you do it in my authority, I will answer you. That's why you can't walk out the door from this message and say, I can ask for anything. I'm going to buy lottery tickets. Because what Jesus said right here is if you ask for anything within my character so that God would receive the glory, you'll receive it. A couple chapters later in John 16, he actually says the same thing. I'm going to back it up just a little bit. Starting in verse 20, he says, Truly, truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn. He's talking to his disciples right before he goes to the cross. You will reap, weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. I felt this morning like I needed to start here, church, and I don't know who I'm speaking to, uh, but I believe that, that sometimes we need to hear this that Jesus said, this is truth. And he repeats it, this is truth. There will be moments in your life, moments of grief, where it seems like you will never return to a place of joy. 
But Jesus promises here, truly, I tell you, you will find joy. He says in verse 21, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Truly, truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask. And here it is again in my name. And then he says, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name, but ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Renee, could you come up? He says the exact same thing here. He says, you can ask for anything, anything in my name, in my authority, and in my character. And he says, you will receive it. Last week I asked you uh, if you would do something, if you would begin to believe big with me, and if you would begin to expect big things with me. And today what I'm going to ask you to do is to start praying big. I was thinking just this morning about the, the story of the Exodus uh, where God rescues his children uh, out of the Egyptians' hands. And, and all of these signs and wonders and miracles take place. And for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and even today, we look back at the miracles of the Exodus. We actually just sang a song about it where God parts the waters. And the genesis of the Exodus, the beginning of that point, the Bible says, was that God heard the cries of his people. What I'm asking you to do with me this morning is to begin praying for big things in God's authority, in his character, in Jesus' name. Because we can believe that when we walk in these doors, God will meet us here. We can believe and hope for revival to sweep our community and our nation. But I wonder if the exodus would have taken place if all they did was think about it or all they did was hope for it. I believe that something was set into motion based on the cries of God's people. This morning, uh, Renee's going to play. If you would stand with me. What I'm going to do this morning... Uh, is I'm going to pray big. I don't even know what that looks like, to be honest. But then as Renee leads us, um, what I'm going to ask you to do is, is for at least a few moments, don't even sing along. Just turn your attention to Jesus Christ. And I want you to begin praying big. I want you to pray big over your family, over relationships. I want you to pray big over this church and over our county, and I want you to pray big over our nation. So, Lord, we come before you this morning. And, Lord, we pray in your authority and in your character and in your name. Lord, we seek no glory 
My only prayer, God, is that you would pour out your spirit. That you would pour out your spirit in Venango County, God. In Clarion County, God, in Warren County, Lord, that a fire would begin to spread. I pray, God, that we would believe big, that we would pray big, that we would expect big. I pray over this nation, God. I pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be poured out in the White House, in the Congress, in the Senate, God. I pray for your Spirit, God, to be poured out over this nation. I pray for the greatest revival, Lord. I pray this morning in Cranberry Community Church that you would hear the cries of your people calling out for revival, God, calling out for renewal, God, calling out for the redemption of our nation, for a season of repentance and turning to you. I pray over every person in this church building right now, God, that your spirit is poured out, that we are filled with your spirit, that we are renewed by your spirit, Lord, that we would seek you with all of our heart, that this would be a season of wholehearted pursuit of you, God. I pray that everything that is in our way, Lord, everything that hinders would be cast to the side and that we would run after you with our whole hearts. Church, I keep getting the image of the Grinch. And how at the end of the movie, the Bible says that his heart grew, was it three times? I think for some of us in here this morning, our prayers need to grow. Our our prayers need to go from a place where we say the blessing over our food, and that's the extent of our prayer life, to a place where we are believing on God for big things and crawling to God for big things and crying out to God for big things and believing that we are here for such a moment as this and such a time as this. Church, as Renee leads us, as Renee leads us, Could you begin to cry out to God for big things? Lord, I pray this week that you would grow our faith, Lord, that you would expand our faith, that we would be a house of prayer, God. Move in a powerful way in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I, I'm gonna, uh, I just want to say one more thing. You can bring the lights up, Silas. Um, uh, one of the things the disciples asked Jesus was, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, and I'm not going to claim to be Jesus or to teach you uh, another way to pray, but I'm going to kind of uh, 
I want to share with you something if, if your prayer life is a struggle, uh, something that has uh, impacted my own life and something I'm trying to teach to my children when it comes to prayer. Because for all my life, uh, prayer has been close your eyes and kind of grit your teeth, clench your fist and, and, and hope somebody hears. But the reality about prayer is, is that the Holy Spirit is with us uh, at all times, that Jesus is in this room with us. So if you're here and you say, I really struggle with prayer, this is, this is my advice to you. Um, I try to pick somewhere next to me, and in my mind I imagine that Jesus is seated there. Uh, because it helps me to recognize that I'm not throwing up Hail Mary prayers, that I don't have to clench my fist and hope he hears, because he is, he is right here. And then what I do is I talk to him. I don't change the way that I speak. That's one of the things with our kids right now is whenever they pray, they just start mumbling and they, and they change their voice. And I'm like, no, just, just talk. Just, just like you talk to daddy. All you have to do is just talk. And I just wanna, I wanna encourage you if, if you struggle with your prayer life to try that, to just imagine that Jesus is in the passenger seat when you're driving the car and don't look there too long, maybe look in front of you. but. <laughs> just talk to him. That is what prayer is. So I just want to, I feel like I'm supposed to leave that. And if one person hears it, then it's worth it. So Lord, I pray you go with us this week. I pray that uh, we are the most excited church uh, in this world, God, because we understand your love for us, God, and we understand we are your children and that you have plucked us from the fire. Go with us in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.